0: Like animal, like animals at the zoo. In all honesty, literally, that's that's how it is. So we're on the other side of the cage, and they say they do anything they want to do. They beat on the windows, all this stuff, like everything. And it literally is exactly. They take pictures. They like they do all this stuff, and it, it's hard because that that is how people look at you as a baseball player sometimes. And it's tough, and that's something that you accept. There are a lot of people that don't that don't get to sign for you know a lot of money, which is is fine. That's going to happen. But there are also some really good ball players that that happens to that kind of get pushed out of the game because they just simply can't fi- finance it. Regardless of the language barriers, you know your your like structure of however you grew up, like whether you were born in a military family you know it it doesn't matter because we're all in the same boat like it, it just it all kind of comes together
1: this is beyond the slash line i'm your host tim hyman This is episode number one of what we hope to be many. I created this podcast with the goal of giving minor league baseball players a chance to share their story. A slash line, if you're wondering, is comprised of three statistics. A player's batting average, their on-base percentage, and their slugging percentage. But I don't think that tells the full story for a player. And this podcast is not out to bring down those that rely heavily on statistics nor is it a knock on sabermetrics. Both, I think, are very important. But what we're exploring with this podcast is the lives of these players outside of those statistics. I'm looking to get a better idea of what sort of life these players had before they joined the pro ranks and what life is like as a professional player, specifically in the minor leagues, where the pay is not good and the fame is nearly non-existent. Our first guest is Jace Boyd. He's an outfielder in the Mets organization. They drafted him in the sixth round in 2012 out of Florida State. Boyd has already overcome his fair share of hurdles in his pro career. Before the 2014 season, he underwent major surgery on his shoulder to correct thoracic outlet syndrome. We don't discuss that all that much, but what we do discuss is his upbringing growing up in Florida, his road to Florida State, and the struggles he faces as he climbs the ladder In minor league baseball this is beyond the slash line okay so we'll start from the beginning and sort of the things that the people don't really know about you you're raised in Florida born and raised in Florida can you tell me a little bit about growing up in Florida specifically from you know your parents uh, siblings uh, what sort of uh, what sort of family that you came from
0: yeah I grew up with uh, two older sisters um, Megan and Crystal Um, we grew up we (laughs) The first house we actually had, um, it was pretty small. We uh, we all kind of slept in the same room, had a bunk bed, all that good stuff. Um, we lived there until I was six, I believe it was, and then we moved into the to the house we're in now, which it wasn't too far from uh, from where we started, but. Uh, a little more space, <laughs> which was good, uh, especially with uh, two teenage sisters. They got a little hairy there for a while. Um, but you know, I grew up. Well, you know, my parents. Um, my my mom was a uh, or is a dental hygienist, and then uh, my dad has worked at a paper mill for I don't know, a long time now, like 20 years. He actually just got a, a promotion, I guess, like salary job. So that that was exciting for him. Uh, his goal always was to uh, work less, get paid more. So. He's always worked his butt off, and now he gets to kind of relax a little bit more. But yeah, you know, that's just kind of the basics of where it came from. That's that's the family I grew up with, and kind of what they've what they've done. So uh, you know, my oldest sister now, you know, now that, you know, 30 years down the road, she uh, she just moved back from Texas. She was there with uh, her and my brother-in-law, and then they have a little girl named Ruby, and uh, they moved back home maybe a month ago if that and uh they actually just bought a bought a house and uh kind of getting settled back down in our hometown so my, my mom was uh definitely excited about that one so
1: and how deeply rooted was athletics in your family and i i mean it's a little different wrinkle you're the only boy in the family then
0: <laughs> The uh the funny thing is like i i grew up i mean my entire family you know on both sides love sports um you know my my granddad. So my my dad's father um, was a really good fast pitch softball player. From what I hear, you know, it's it's all still hearsay. I give him a hard time about it because it, it's a different game. But uh, he uh, supposedly was blessed with the uh, with the speed. I, did, I didn't get that. <laughs> but um, you know he played he played fast pitch softball. And then um, all of my uncles on that side played baseball, football. Um, you know, pretty much whatever whatever went along. My dad. My dad uh, actually didn't even play high school baseball. He played high school football. And then um, my uncle actually played uh, a little bit in college. And then um, my other uncle actually played in college a little bit too on uh, that side. And then my mom's side of the family, uh, my grandfather was a uh, race car driver, believe it or not. And uh, he, he did dirt track asphalt all kinds of stuff he was uh really good he really really well known in our hometown um five flag speedway is um actually a pretty big racetrack as far as like you know minor i would call it minor racing (laughs) goes because uh you know we get some guys that filter through there that are pretty good but um you know he, he was out there for a long time helped build some cars um and then both of my uncles actually raced on that side too and played baseball, all kinds of stuff. So we we were pretty diversified as far as sports go, but it was definitely a sports related family. And then my uh, my mom was a very good softball player and both of my sisters were, were very gifted athletically. And uh, my oldest sister was really good at gymnastics. Um, she did that till she was probably 15-ish, somewhere in that range. And then uh, my sister Megan played uh, fast, or, or, Played fast pitch softball obviously and then she did um she did cheerleading as well um but she was also very gifted athletically I always i think she kind of missed her mark i think she could have been a really good volleyball player because she was she i mean she's not super tall but she she was very gifted and she's tall athletic can move and uh i don't know she just never pulled the trigger on it i think they may have coincided with <laughs> with seasons or something like that but she was she was very gifted athletically and so my, my whole family has always done something so it's always been a can com- pretty pretty competitive household for sure
1: and how were your parents when it came to being sports parents were they right on top of you did they let you learn from mistakes were they your own coaches
0: my believe it or not my my mom was probably the more aggressive one um, you know as far as like you know if you're gonna do it do it right mm-hmm. obviously yeah but my dad was um, you know fairly laid back as a coach. He he was our head coach in um, travel ball from or or even T ball really. He was he was coached he coached us for a long time and then we had um we had a really good team from when we were 12 10 11 12ish in those years and he was the manager and you know that, that he he was very laid back. Kind of let us do you know what we wanted to do as players and kind of learn and, and grow like that but you know, he was also he was very strict on you know playing the game the right way as far as you know your effort levels, you know making sure that you were you know doing what you were supposed to do on and off the field and and he was more so you know just be a good person more so than you know the actual sports aspect of it. Yeah, we we you know we learned some stuff about baseball which was awesome, but you know more so about being you know a person in
1: general. Was that almost the message where? Uh, I, I feel like some sports parents now can be always trying to groom their child to go pro. Like If you're going to do something, do it great so that you can you know, get the college and go pro from there. But it sounds like your dad's message was really, you know, you can use these lessons from sports in real life. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: yeah. He, you know, he, he definitely taught us in that way. But, you know, I, I knew when I, whenever I realized that you could play baseball and it could be your job, that's what I wanted to do. Like ever since I was, you know, five, six, seven years old, I knew I wanted to play baseball. I knew I, you know, had the capabilities. I knew I was good at it, and that was my passion. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people have, you know, different callings and different things that they do, um, but you know, I, like I, I knew from early on that that's what I I wanted to pursue. And they were always supportive. Everybody in my entire family has always been super supportive, and. You know and it's it's crazy because there's never any pressure like it's never like you know especially when i was in high school or anything like you know do you think you're going to go to college do you think you want to keep playing do you think you want to go try to play professional? It, it was just always assumed like that i was just going to keep playing and you know as long as i wanted to do it they were going to support it and that's how my entire family's been and it's been a, a pretty awesome process up to this point
1: and I think in a lot of situations there are like there are two types, not maybe not two types of pressure, but there's pressure that maybe players put on themselves to excel, but also with everything riding on them when it comes to you know their their family, has followed their entire career. Do you ever feel those expectations where it's not just your own personal goals, but also the goals of what everyone hopes for you down the road?
0: For sure, and
1: it, I wouldn't even necessarily call, like I wouldn't call it pressure
0: per se, but there's always that. You know, that feel, it it burdens the wrong word to use by a long shot, but, you know, you always think like, okay, you know, I'm out here playing the game. I love playing baseball, but at the same time, I'm out there playing because, you know, baseball in general is, is a way for my entire family really to get together in one place and hang out, you know, for an extended period of time. And, you know, it's always been that way from you know, when I was playing travel ball on up through high school is, you know, that it wasn't the only time, but that was a lot of the time we spent together as a family, you know, in in extended families as well, like grandparents, uncles, aunts, you know, cousins, everybody. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what makes, you know, playing this game so awesome is that they can all come watch you play. Like, I can't go watch my dad work, Mm -hmm. really. I can't go watch my grandfather do what he, I mean, I can go play golf with him now, which is (laughs) awesome um i i can't just go watch my mom you know clean teeth and and you know actually just sit there and enjoy it it's like you know they get to come and enjoy watching what i do as my profession and it just so happens to be a game at the same time it it, it's pretty cool
1: are you still the linchpin in that let's say for example you're not playing anymore is that do you have a is there a, something out there that they could still oh. rally around and stay connected with?
0: Oh yeah, I mean, uh, we're close as a family, and that's where I am amazingly blessed. Is that our entire family is super close? Um, you know, most most families are like, you know, you got your mom, your dad, your brothers, your sisters. You might have, you know, your grandparents around, and they probably live hours and hours away. I, ninety percent of my family lives within a 15 minute drive of each other. And, uh, you know, it's been that way ever since I was little. My, my mom's parents actually moved to Alabama for a little while. Um, but even that was only like two and a half, maybe three hours away max. And, uh, you know, being around everybody and, and my little cousins now are in, uh, my cousin Trace, just started um, his first year of college. And then my other cousin Jackson is, is a really good ball player. He's uh, 12, maybe 13 years old. Um, but yeah, even you know, without sports, everybody stays connected. And it's, it's all you know, just based around our family more so than anything.
1: And you go four sports in high school. You wind up going to Florida State. Was that a tough decision? Were, were there a, a couple of the colleges in the mix?
0: In all honesty, that was probably one of the easiest decisions I have made <laughs> ever. Um, it was kind of a funny story. I went over for a hitting camp with one of my buddies, uh, Kevin, and uh, you know we're, we're taking BP on the field over there, and it was the first time I'd ever really been to the school. Um, and even growing up, I was never a huge Florida State fan. Like, I liked them, and I, I liked Florida for a while. Like, I, I liked Miami, I liked Alabama. Like, I just kind of went back and forth here and there, just depending on who was who was good at the time. <laughs> um, but I went over there for, for my hitting clinic thing whatever you want to call it and uh i took my couple rounds of bp and mike martin calls me over he was sitting right outside the cage he calls me over introduces himself all this stuff. It's like how heck i want he's he's like asking me if my family's here i'm like yeah they're here like they're gonna come pick me up and all this stuff said well when they get here have them come down i want to meet them all this stuff so i'm in my in my mind i'm like okay like he's just being nice like whatever and my buddy Kevin goes I have never seen him do that before and I've been coming to camp since I was like eight <laughs> I'm like I don't know what just happened but we'll we'll go with it so needless to say he, he meets everybody we talk and then so I didn't tell him I was gonna come back um, to a hitting camp that they had the following uh, winter and I went down there and the moment I got there they called me and my family in the office and offered me a scholarship right there on the spot. And I was like, "Uh, okay, I'll let you know pretty soon. (laughs) And I called him a month later and I was like, hey, I'm coming to Florida State, so mark it down. So I, I committed my sophomore year of high school. So there was not really any recruiting process. I didn't have to go to a bunch of different colleges. And I just got to enjoy being in high school and it was, It was a blessing in disguise because, you know, that can definitely get pretty hairy for for a lot of players because I I can't imagine trying to pick between major universities to go play at. And in all honesty, at that point, I didn't even know that, you know, playing at a a major college program was something that, you know, I would get the opportunity to do. And when it came up, I was like, how much better is this going to get? I'm three hours from home in state. You know, my parents can come watch almost every weekend and they did and my grandparents everybody can all you know like i said before everybody can just kind of coagulate into one place and and enjoy you know spending time together and that's that's ultimately
1: what made the decision and so the distance because clearly you're on campus you're not commuting from your home the distance was then easy to take i'm guessing first time really away from your parents and family for an extended period
0: oh yeah it it wasn't bad at all my um my uncle actually lived there um, still lives there now, my um, dad's brother Cliff, and so I still had family and uh, you know they they were over all the time once baseball season started so it, it was almost like you know I was away from home doing my own thing but I still saw them all the time.
1: Not talking about baseball, what do you miss about just being part of a collegiate baseball team?
0: Uh, college is, it's just like if you don't experience it, it's it's kind of hard to explain for other other people. But, you know, and in, in baseball in general, I, I know you said not baseball related, but that's almost your second family. So, you know, all of those guys now and just watching everybody kind of grow up and, and kind of do their own thing after college. And half of them now are playing in the big leagues, which is awesome. But, uh, you know, college itself is just – learning yourself as a as a person and and what you like to do Mm -hmm. Um, as you know obviously I I still loved and enjoyed baseball Um, I got into a uh, it it sounds kinda funny but I got into a uh, parks and recreation class and uh, Miss Trafford was my (laughs) teacher and for some reason like that course in itself was one of the most fun like, experiences that I had within college because we literally just worked on, you know, ways to make, you know, functions, camps, you know, summer camps, everything, like, just how to do it, how to structure it, and then we just played games all the time. Like, that's all we did for almost the entire semester was just all of that, and uh, that, that was one of, the, one of the fun experiences that I had, and then, obviously, you have the freedom of... Kind of just making your own choices, and like I said, just learning yourself as a person is basically what you know college is all about, and that that was the most fun part of it to me.
1: I've only known you for you know the last three seasons. Never got a chance to know you in college. I know you was <clears throat> calm, collected, <laughs> gr- good, dry sense of humor that you that, that, that grows on you after a while. How would you compare yourself now in your kind of personality to where you were in your first couple of college years?
0: uh i i hope it was about the same but um you know in in high school and in college i was probably a little more serious i was probably you know not as relaxed in this environment um you know my my drive through high school was just to not get distracted um and it was the same thing in college it's like just don't let this atmosphere distract you from what your ultimate goal is and then um You know once i got drafted um all of that kind of like that burden just kind of went away i was like all right and then now i can relax you know I not that i made it not i'm i'm not in the big leagues by any means but at least now i'm on that track like i'm in that niche where you know before you're you're not in pro ball because you're you're in college or you're in high school you're doing whatever and uh you know that's that was probably more of my mentality is just not not lose track of what the ultimate goal is and not that I've lost track now but like I said I can at least relax because now I'm in the loop basically is how it
1: feels. What were some of those possible distractions then?
0: Any distraction that anybody has in high school obviously I mean you have so many friends doing so many different things you could get you know lost in you know what they're doing and and not really putting in the time and the effort that's necessary to make you know, your ultimate dreams come true, Um, you know, whether, you know, it's never even negative things. It's just like, okay, today, you know, am I going to go, you know, to the weight room? Am I going to go hit in the cage a little bit? Am I going to do, you know, defensive work, you know, throughout the week? Or am I going to go, you know, hang out at the beach for the weekend? Or am I going to go home for the weekend? Am I? It's just little distractions here and there that can, you know, make or break you because at this level, it's so close. Like, If you go watch a a minor league, a double-A or a triple-A game, yeah, you're going to have some guys on the field that are freaks. Like, you're going to notice that immediately. But for about 85% of us, you probably can't tell that much of a difference between player and other player. Yeah, you're going to have pros and cons to each, but it's not that drastically different. It's just who puts in the time and the effort to make their, you know, positives and strengths outstanding that's that's really all it is and that was the hardest part is just to stay focused on that track
1: was that self-motivation Is that a combination of your parents being on top of you where was is there sort of like was there like a laissez-faire approach with your parents when it came to that stuff
0: it you know it definitely was was a lot self-driven but it was also just having good role models Um, you know everybody in my family you know worked really hard and still works really hard For, you know, the things that they want, you know, regardless of if it's, you know, working their jobs or, you know, working at home. Like I go. So I go to my granddad's house and there's probably a a handful of times that I've ever been to that man's house unexpectedly, like not telling him that I'm coming, that he's been sitting inside doing nothing. He is always outside doing something like just it it may not even be productive, (laughs) but at least he's out there and he's moving something around or whatever. So there's always been like that internal drive of like, yeah, you can have your time to relax. But when it comes to your job and it comes to what you're you're doing to try to provide for, you know, yourself and, you know, your future family, your family, you may already have like whatever that the case may be. When it comes to your job, you just work your butt off at it, and that's that's pretty much how everybody in my family is. And it, it's it, it's all like, yeah, it's self it's self motivation. But my role models are crazy, <laughs> to be honest. They're they're pretty impressive people.
1: And how much did that come with the play? You spent three seasons at Florida State, sixth round pick by the Mets in 2012. <clears throat> how much of your your decision-making was influenced by your family when it came to signing the deal with the Mets to go to the pro ranks?
0: I I mean, that, that was also um, the moment, like, I'm sitting in the stands, so we're at Florida State, we just got done practicing, and I'm sitting in the stands, I got my, my sister, my mom, my dad, and uh, my mom's parents there, and I'm sitting here, and I'm we're, we're watching it on the phone, like, just waiting on it, waiting on it, I got a couple phone calls in the fourth round, the fifth round, and then the sixth round rolled around, and I'm like, Because in high school, I had the opportunity to go like second, third, maybe fourth round in this in those those areas. Um, At that point, I just wanted too much money that they weren't willing to give me. So I got to college and spent my three years there. (coughs) Excuse me. And uh, I thought the process was going to happen again. I'm like, God, like I did. I thought everything was perfect. I thought everything was going to work out. I start sliding down the board a little bit, sliding, I'm like, come on, don't do this again. So they call me and they're like, hey, will you sign? And I said, yes. And they said, okay. And I walk over, they said my name on the phone, family went nuts. And there was, there was never any question, like as soon as my name was called, that I wasn't gonna sign because that, like I said, that's always been my goal. And you can always go back to school. You you can always do that, but you can't miss your window mm-hmm. in baseball. You just can't.
1: So there's no negotiations. they just that was they it. gave a slot and they said that was the it. choice is yours. Yep, that was it. And how much interaction did you, had you had <clears throat> with the Mets prior to draft day? Uh, not a ton. I uh, actually knew one of their
0: uh, scouting department guys. His name's Max Siebert. Um, he actually went to the high school I went to. He grew up with uh, my family and stuff and. We've known each other for a long time, and he was actually the one that called me. But other than that, I never had any, you know, big interactions with their scouting department or anything of that nature, like private workouts or anything.
1: And who who called you from the Mets? Mac. It was it was him. Yep. And phone call was how long?
0: Two minutes. Is it that is, it's,
1: is it is it amazing that a two-minute phone call can just <laughs> change, like you think about everything. what happens if that phone call goes another way?
0: Right. It it, it is nuts, and uh, you know, it, it short to the point this is what you got this is what we got yes or no I said yes nice like I said the rest has been you know up to this point the process has been pretty crazy it's it's amazing all the places you get to go and all the things you get to do as a baseball player it's it's a grind and it's it's tough like in
1: season but all the places and the things you get to
0: see is you can't beat it
1: did you, I mean, the way you, you sort of articulated your thought process with your career, it seemed as if that was just, you know, another thing on your list. Some guys are surprised when they get drafted and almost overwhelmed by the fact that they can go from the college ranks to the pro ranks, but the gist I'm getting is that you almost felt like, all right, I, I know I was one of the top high school guys out there, and this was just, you know, I put my time, and I, this was almost like the next step.
0: Yeah, the, and, you know, it, it, it's always exciting to hear your name called but like you said, like it, it was just kind of like, this is just another one of the stepping stones. Like, you know, it, it, it's awesome in in the process, but just another one of those, you know, notches in your belt. Goodness gracious. The, uh, <laughs> the, one of the like moments where I had like a step back moment is the first time I get to Las Vegas and I'm walking through the casinos, like just checking everything out. This is 2015. Yeah. <laughs> I get to this room and it is nothing but TVs filled across this huge wall and it's got every sports game and at this point it's during the College World Series and I walk in and I'm like at one point I was covering half of these televisions (laughs) at at one point I I was playing obviously Mm -hmm. but at one point I was covering all of these televisions and everywhere I went that's all I saw, College World Series, College World Series College World Series and I'm like this is nuts like I did that twice and I'm just now getting like the feel and the gist of what I actually did because like you said it's just part of the process like whenever you're doing it until you take a step back and look and it's just like it's not overwhelming but it's like just kind of hits you in the face a little bit like dang like that's pretty pretty cool and you don't ever really think about it when you're doing it until it's you know maybe a reminder or something just kind of like jogs a memory and you're like kind of your mind opens up a little bit it's it's pretty pretty nuts
1: is it is it strange to make that transition from a big time baseball program in an area where they love college baseball and you're playing big schools and playing in front of big crowds and top-notch venues You go to the college world series at <laughs> a brand new ballpark and then suddenly you go pro and now you're plopped in some town in the middle of nowhere in front of maybe 700 people on a cold dreary wednesday night <laughs> is that is that is that a strange transition then?
0: It, it really is but it it's more fun because everybody's in the same boat like in college it's it's difficult because you have programs that exceed others or their facilities are better and yeah you have that somewhat in the minors and stuff but it's not that drastically Mm -hmm. different everybody's pretty much in the in the same (laughs) no not to be funny ballpark (laughs) um but they uh you know the first season i had in brooklyn like you you like okay you get to your, your first short season team and it's in brooklyn new york I'm flying in, I'm seeing all these buildings, and I'm like, what the heck is this? Like, I would never been to New York City, never done anything remotely close to that as far as travel. And uh, so I land there and I get in the van and I'm driving down and I'm, you know, passing the Statue of Liberty and all this stuff. I'm driving to Coney Island. I'm like, that's another one of those moments. You're just like, dang, like, this is where I'm at right now. It's, it's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, finished out that season. And then the first season starts in Savannah, which, you know, Savannah's a a beautiful town. And then you just start traveling around and and getting to see all these places. And like you said, you're going to just random places throughout the whole United States of America, it seems like, and you're just busting it everywhere. And, you know, you just get to see the different, the different like venues and, you know, different cities. And sometimes, you know, if you're lucky, you're close to like, you know, New York city, like for instance, from, from here. But, uh, you know, even like this, this'll by like going back to this morning, I went to brunch with, uh, she's our landlord and she wanted to take us out before we left. So we go, it's me and Tim Peterson and her and Tim and I are driving and we're just driving. It literally feels like we're in the middle of nowhere, like driving through the sticks. And then finally we just get to this random place to have brunch. And it's like, this is where I'm at today, like just right now, this is where I'm at from Pensacola, Florida, to the sticks in Binghamton, New York. And it's it's pretty cool, like the process and, and where you go and
1: how much you get to travel and see different things. I'm a big Jackson Brown fan. He, he has a lot of songs about being a guy that travels quite a bit and as a pro ball but then it just comes to the territory. And Brown has a song where basically the mm-hmm. gist of it is that the more he travels, the more the towns look the same doesn't sound like you you agree with that
0: i don't think that they look the same there's always similarities and then i think like once you get to different parts of the country everything kind of starts looking (laughs) similar but every place is different every place has its own vibe and its own feel and its own scenery and you know i think looking at everything from the same perspective just kind of negates what what a town really is because it's all different have you always felt that way (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I didn't travel a ton whenever I was little. We um, pretty much stayed, you know, not in Florida, but we would go to like Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, you know, I think the furthest we went for a while was maybe Texas, and then we went to Kansas one time. But everything was pretty much in the southeast. Um, And everything from Orlando, right before maybe Tennessee, it all kind of looks very similar and then once you go towards like louisiana and mississippi you start getting the swamps and stuff but other than that it's all pretty similar um and then once you get to like tennessee you start getting a little bit more of the mountain ranges and stuff like that and you know as you get up up further here it it's like you get you drive through a city and then it seems like it's just nothing for i don't know how many miles and it's just pretty to look at it's just all green mountains with trees and you know it was like (laughs) so i'm going i'm flying from las vegas i want to say we were going to like salt lake maybe or something like that um and when you take off from las vegas you can see like the i i I call it a valley i don't know what they call it but it looks like just like a little valley you see all the like skyscrapers all the stuff once you get out of that valley it is literally nothing as far as your eyes can see out of a plane not just driving along the road out of a plane you can't see anything but mountain and dirt that is it so I I take a couple pictures on my phone and I landed and I you know I text everybody I text everybody that I said how in the heck did people make it across this in a wagon with horses are you kidding me how is that possible like you can't see anything for Miles and miles and miles, and it's nothing but dirt and mountain. No water, no trees, no nothing. That's it. It w- it was crazy. And then you know, obviously, you get over here, and it's it's a you know a different animal in the winter time. But you just get different feels from everywhere you're at, and it's it's you definitely can't say that every town is the same. I don't think some are similar, but definitely not the same.
1: Does it make you more worldly, where you can have almost an appreciation for from people? From not only like different walks of life but also just simply different areas of the country
0: yeah and you know you just have a different perspective I think from a lot of people who you know don't get the opportunity to travel that much or they're in the same town or they're in the same city you know pretty much their entire lives like like my dad and my mom have lived in Pensacola forever and they I don't think they've done very much traveling but you know at this point you got to do it. Like you just have to go see some different stuff. You just have to. And, uh, it's cool because you get like a feel of, of where you want to end up. Like most people, they don't, (laughs) you don't know what you don't know. Like that, that's simple as that. So if, if you at least get to experience everything and see a lot of different places, then you can actually find out where you want to end up, where, you know, you want to spend the last 50 years of your, of your life, if you're lucky and all that good stuff. So it's it's definitely a perspective changer.
1: One thing I'm always struck by uh, in pro ball, I, it always <laughs> hits me on the bus when you look around. So here's a manager from Puerto Rico, <laughs> hitting coach from the Dominican, pitching coach from Arkansas, trainer from Washington, strength coach from Minnesota, okay. guys spread out from all over the country. Th- does that hit you from time to time just to realize, like, in what other situation would I be put together with a group <laughs> like this? Yeah, that, that mesh is pretty crazy.
0: And what's even more interesting is that, you know, regardless of the language barriers, you know, your your like structure of however you grew up, like whether you were born in a military family, you know, it it doesn't matter because we're all in the same boat. Like it it just it all kind of comes together. But uh, it is pretty interesting to look at it from that perspective as far as like how far people go. And we all end up in the same place.
1: And so you, it's, I never really pictured this, but it's just, minor league baseball is almost like an equalizer there. Yeah.
0: I, I would say that there, you know, there's not many places that, yeah, okay. You, if you go into, you know, a business and you're trying to work and move your way up the ladder. Yeah. It's, it's fairly similar, but you get to pick, like you get to pick where you want to go try to work. Mm-hmm. We don't get to pick. Like they say, this is where you're going. <laughs> and you know, you try to make the best of it. And, uh, you know, yeah, I'm sure some, some jobs do the same thing, obviously, but within the majority of them, at least you know where you're starting and where you're trying to end up at least. And and here it's like, you know, you got 30 teams and, you know, hopefully one of them picks you. And if they do, you're at their expense basically until, you know, and even when you make it to the big leagues, you're still at their expense, but at least it's a little more, more structured and it's not as, you know, whimsical as, you know, Going from, you know, high A, low A, back to double A to triple A, all that good stuff. So, yeah, it's 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 definitely an equalizer for sure.
1: Is there any comfort level in knowing that? Where in, in certain jobs, if you do something that might not be you know ethically correct, you can get by. But in mm-hmm. baseball, you know, of course, outside of PEDs and and all that well, that side mm-hmm. stuff, basically, if you play, generally you advance. Is there some sort of comfort in that? For sure, and you know. It's all,
0: it's all about how well you can perform on the field, obviously, but they, they look at it from a bunch of different perspectives and what you bring to the table to make their organization better. I, I you know firmly believe that regardless of how good you are at the game of baseball, if you can help their organization, they're going to keep you around. And because there's, there's not you know, a whole lot of people that can do that if they're not good at baseball, <laughs> it, it's pretty interesting. Um, but the you know, all the all of our coaches, you know, players, you know, strength coaches, trainers, like you said, they all they all come from different places, and then you get put on this even even ground, and you know you're just all trying to you're marching toward one goal, and it, it's definitely a comforting feeling because you know it, it's all about the time and the effort that you put in is is what you get out of it for sure.
1: How many times have has someone from the organization? sat with you, whether it's one-on-one or maybe in a group setting with the coaching staff and almost articulated what your role in the organization is or what they're hoping out of you? Oh, I, that
0: doesn't happen very often. Um, you know, if you're lucky, it happens once or twice early in your career so that you can have, you know, kind of kind of a, an idea of, of what they want you to do. And I've been fortunate enough that, that they've been, you know, pretty open with me about what they foresee in my future or what they want me to do and that simply was because I was transitioning from you know the infield to the outfield which um, you know if you play the same position for five years I, I can't imagine that they do a whole lot of explaining like I think they just <laughs> assume that you know that that's your role that's what you're supposed to do and if you get good at that role you'll start advancing and uh, you know that that's pretty much how it goes and then you know they're not subjected to have to give you too much information they just you know kind of give you you know what they think they need to give you in order to succeed and hope that you make the best out of it.
1: So in your eyes you don't really need those almost like uh, annual uh, sit-down evaluations. <laughs> no we don't we don't get we don't get uh, evaluated very much
0: from a one-on-one standpoint we get evaluated every day but we don't get it to a point where you know that we get to hear very often what
1: they see when they're
0: evaluating.
1: And does that, I mean, you talk about the evaluation on, on an everyday mm-hmm. basis. The coaching staff, they're always bogged down every game. Yep. Reports. Louis de Terry doing hitting <laughs> reports. Glenn Abbott doing pitching reports. Yep. Everything in between for Pedro Lopez. Is that in the back of your mind?
0: Not really. Um, to go back earlier, I mean, it's just one of those things, like, that happens. Like, you know, you're, you're going to come out here, you're going to play the game, and if you've put in the work, you've put in the effort, you play the game you're supposed to, the way you're supposed to play it, most of that stuff takes care of itself. If you start thinking about it or start worrying about it, <laughs> then all you're doing is distracting yourself from from what you're ultimately trying to do anyways so there's there's no reason to really you know try to worry about you know what the report says or you know if you have a good game or a bad game or a good month or a bad month like it is what it is so yeah, it it definitely isn't that big of a deal to me. The fact that they're evaluating you every step that you take out on the
1: field, because you can't change it anyways, <laughs> so you might as well just accept it. You you spoke earlier about how your family comes together because of your career. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest challenge when it comes to balancing mm-hmm. all your duties here, all your commitments to your family, friends, and and now a fiance, fiance. Shauna.
0: Yep. It uh it's it's crazy and I, I actually mentioned this today at brunch it's almost like you live two different lives because you have your your baseball family and then you have your your real family and you know once once the off season starts you you might keep in touch with you know a couple people here and there but for the most part we won't see anybody until spring training next year hopefully mm-hmm. and you know it, it's pretty crazy because you know whenever you're up here all you want to do is is get back home and then whenever you're back home all you want to do is get back up here It it's crazy how it works but um, you know it, it's not difficult to balance because or at least for me I can't speak for everybody else but at least for me because I do have a really good support system you know I you know my, my mom my dad my grandparents fiance you know even her parents are are really really supportive in what I do and uh, that makes it so much easier and and less of a burden having to go away for six months at a time and then come back home. And, you know, I I talked about it today. Um, My niece, Ruby, the last time I saw her, she was like just getting to a point where she was like opening up, talking a little bit, being a little more spontaneous, like doing stuff. And, you know, then I had to leave and I hadn't seen her for six months and I'm about to go back home. And from the videos and the pictures and all that stuff that I get on occasion, she looks and seems like a complete different human being. So I can't wait to get down there and just spend some time with her and, and hopefully, you know, get to learn her all over again because, you know, we're, we're apart from each other all the time. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, it, I don't think it's too tough to balance it because, you know, like I said, it, it just kind of, it is what it is. You know, this is this is the the path you chose and you knew... You know what you're giving up to what you were trying to gain and you know if you if, like again if you think about things like that all the time you're going to get distracted from what your ultimate goal is anyways and
1: and it makes it that much harder yeah that, so the thought process i guess the question would be those things that you do give up would family time missing family time from basically late february to mid-september be the top one then
0: yeah no doubt just you know There's there's a few things that, you know, every day I knew I could do at home, being around my family. um, You know, in all honesty, one of the one of the biggest things I miss most is going to play golf with my granddad and my dad. We did that all the time Um, and we'd have the off seasons to do that. And now being engaged and being down in South Florida a lot longer, um, you know, you know, those opportunities are they just get fewer and fewer as you go but at the same time you know what you're what you're missing out or what you think you're missing out on you're gaining so much in other other areas of your life like you know now you're you're starting a whole new chapter you know you're you're in, or at least i'm engaged and you know we're, we're going to be living in tampa the majority of this off season which I've, I've never spent very much time in tampa but um it's just a whole new chapter and, and you get to start fresh and, and you know you just you know start creating you know a different path and different memories that you know just stem hopefully for years and years to come.
1: Is it a challenge to come to terms with that where it's almost like you want your cake you need it to or I want to do these things that I did <laughs> in the past but doing that is going to restrict me from moving forward.
0: No doubt it, it, it's always difficult but at the same time like what, what you give up to what you gain you know being around the person you love the most is way better than anything else I could ever want to do. But at the same time, you have to be away from that person to be able to provide what you hope your future holds. And and it's like, it, you can go on and on and on about all the different ways you can try to do it, how to make it work, how to not make it work, all this stuff. But, you know, I think at least for right now, and and like I said, with the support system that we have and... You know where we are right now I don't I don't I couldn't ask for anything more
1: I want I want to talk a little bit about 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 that with mm-hmm. with making it work it seems as if I mean your family has been supportive Sean knows exactly what comes to the territory then correct yeah, no doubt when when you have that does that change your mindset knowing that you know there's away from the field my stresses are mostly taken care of it's huge
0: and it's so indescribable because you're not getting pulled in two directions aside from you just physically you just want to be with that person on a day-to-day basis like you you just want to spend that time together um but when you just come to terms with it and you can accept it and they accept it it's huge because it makes your job and your life so much easier because you're not constantly being bogged down you're not constantly being you know like you're not dealing with mopey people or people trying to pull you back to to their reality or your reality it's like it's just accepted and it is what it is and you make the most of the time that you do get together and i think that that's almost a blessing in itself too is that you know because we do spend so much time apart when we do get to see each other it makes it so much better so much better because you're you're never you know yeah you get into a certain routine you know, throughout the off season, but you, you you have to readjust because that routine routine changes like that. So I think it's definitely a blessing for sure.
1: And I think one of the big storylines recently, especially with the the lawsuits under now servicing in terms of minor league pay where financials are can be a challenge. How do you make it work through the season?
0: It's it's difficult in the fact that, you know, a lot of our expenses obviously And this is with anybody they fall on you a lot of people think that you know all of your food all of your you know living situations all that stuff is taken care of and it's not like we we pay for literally everything which is acceptable because that's how you're supposed to live as a person but it's definitely difficult because our compensation is is very very little um, compared to what we do and how hard we work and how long we work and how often we're at the field and it, it, it's pretty difficult to accept in those terms, but you know I'm glad that they're looking into it and, and trying to make changes on it. Um, I don't plan on being a part of it until I'm out of baseball because I don't see the point in suing somebody who's writing my checks because that just doesn't seem right. Um, but you know I, I hope that you know they make that a little bit better and make it a little more you know livable um, instead of just kind of skating by and you know, waiting for the off-season, because that, that makes it pretty difficult, especially in the off-season, because you don't, you don't get a paycheck for six months, and, you know, even when you are getting a paycheck, it's not for very much. So That's
1: something that I'm not sure many people realize, that once the season's over, those paychecks stop. Done. No, we
0: don't get paid year-round, and, you know, and, and it's tough, too, because with, with how we work, we're actually still employed by the Mets, which is really weird. You don't get a paycheck for six months, but you're still employed by the Mets until, your contract expires or until they release you or anything else happens. So a lot of jobs and stuff, it, it's, it's hard to do because you don't want to, you know, put yourself in a situation to get hurt or, you know, putting in, you know, ridiculous hours at a job and then missing out on your window to help yourself get better as a baseball player. It, it's really, really difficult to balance that. Um, and, you know, I was fortunate enough to get a decent signing bonus but a lot of the guys that I play with didn't sign for very much and I don't know how you can make living on a minor league salary and only signing for a couple thousand dollars work for multiple years I just don't see how that's possible and that's that's the frustrating part because you know there there are a lot of people that don't that don't get to sign for you know a lot of money which is is fine that's going to happen but there're also some really good ball players that that happens to that kind of get pushed out of the game because they just simply can't fi- finance it. And it, it's
1: pretty tough. How often do you think about the financial strains of it all?
0: Not very much. And again, that that's from a support system. Um, because our my support system that I have, if I needed anything, like drastically needed anything, they'd be there in a heartbeat, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of where it came from. Um, and that that's a huge comfort that I have. But that's also something that I don't I don't rely on that, but it's it's something that, that I know is always there, and that's that's another another thing that I am completely you know blown away by is the fact that I have that support system from all levels, you know, financially, emotionally, like it, it just the list goes on and on, and, and it's it's awesome to have that comfort, and it makes playing this this game so much easier.
1: How much do you think about providing for a family down the road?
0: A lot, especially now. Um, know and and even before I thought about it often but you know with recently being engaged and then you start thinking about you know what the future what you hope a future holds um you know starting a family doing things like that it's hard because you know once you once you get out of your first seven years of your your contract or if you know you you're fortunate enough to get picked up by another team or traded or anything you can start negotiating and get paid a little bit more but the base salary is what I'm talking about. That's, that's so difficult because if you, if you stay with the same organization for seven years and you're, and you're basically getting paid the same very, very minimal increases each year, that's pretty tough. So, you know, hopefully, you know, down the road you get to a free agency point and somebody, you know, gives you an opportunity that, you know, helps you and your family out, especially, you know,
1: down the road. I've seen these articles that are, are written about <clears throat> these these lawsuits and this push down to increase uh, minor league salaries, and a lot of responses from fans are along the same lines, where it says, "Hey, you know, they're all chasing a dream. They all signed up for this. They can do they can do other things." What's your response to
0: that? I I somewhat agree with it, but at the same time, I I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem fair because. Like I said, you, you have a lot of guys who have this passion. They have the ability. They have everything, you know, lined up for them to be a, a successful big league player. And they just simply can't finance it. Like that that doesn't seem fair to me because you should be able to play this game. And, yeah, the harder you work, the more money you should, you should be able to make. But we, you know, as, as players, it's not like yeah you can go out and you can do you can play really well for a couple years but if there's not a spot in the big leagues you're not getting there it's simple as that you can play as well as you wanna play but if there's guys ahead of you that have been doing it for a long time you just simply don't have that opportunity unless you're fortunate enough to get into another organization or something else like that happens and for for us not to get you know compensated up to that point where you know, it at least seems fair, right? It just doesn't seem fair right now to me at all. And, and it's difficult. And even when we get to the off season, we can't, we can't go and collect food stamps. We're not allowed to, like we can't, we, we're not even allowed to apply for it. We can't do anything. We can't have anything like that, which I think is crazy because we literally go without getting a paycheck for six months and we're, we're not allowed to get any financial help from the government.
1: Now in corresponding fashion do you have health benefits the entire season we for do. the entire year I should say.
0: And that's one of the best things by far about you know how little we get paid, our health insurance is outstanding. Mm-hmm. Like we if, if we need anything done, you know, we have surgeries, we have all this stuff, you don't pay a dime. Not a dime. Which is huge. And and it's something that, you know, I've, I've spoken about this to some other people too. It's something that I don't even realize because I've always been, you know, at least, yeah, okay, when you're young, you go to the doctor, your parents take care of it. Got to high school, same deal. You get to college and they start taking care of it. Like if you have any issues, any problems, get to pro ball, they start taking care of it. I don't know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> Whenever I have to start taking care of it, I'm not gonna know how to do it, what to do it, or how to do any of this whole process. But, um, you know, that that's something that, you know, it's not overlooked by any means and i think that's that's one of the, the the biggest benefits of being an athlete is is the health benefits and and all of that but still in in what we get compensated for for what we're actually doing i still think it it's pretty low
1: what sort of change would you make to the the concept <clears throat> of pro ball
0: i don't know that i'd make too many changes i i don't know cuz it's been working this far or this long for for you know a reason it's all pretty good and uh you know the it you can look at baseball from so many different perspectives you can look at it from a negative for positive like indifferent like whatever whatever you want to say but if you're if you're looking at it from a negative perspective why are you doing it anyways
1: how far would it go even if it was just an organization took the step of saying you know, across the board for our organization, we're going to bump up salaries 20%. What would that mean to somebody in your position?
0: I mean, if they were allowed to do that and they had the capability as an organization to do it, that, that would benefit us huge. I mean, you can't, <laughs> it sounds bad, but you can never have too much money. Like you can never be paid enough for what you think you're doing as far as work and you know like i like i said as hard as we work and what we do trying to make our goal a reality you know all the help along the way regardless of where it comes from is huge like it it goes leaps and bounds above like okay our landlord for instance we've we've been living in the same house for three years now rent's never changed everything stays the same like all everything is taken care of for us and it, it, it's like those, those little things and those little aspects help hugely because, you know, we're living in a, a pretty nice home with all of our utilities, everything functions, everything's just about perfect. Like, we don't have to worry about furniture. It's all there. Mm-hmm. TV, all that good stuff, it's all there. Never have to worry about it. And as far as, you know, rent goes, it's really cheap for us to live there, and she never changes it. She just doesn't. She does it for us, and she helps us out. Which is huge, and you and you can't, like I said, it doesn't matter where it comes from, but it, all of that help is just makes it that much easier to play the game and keep pursuing your
1: dream. What keeps you going? Because for in certain aspects of the several jobs in minor league baseball, there's almost those those little things that mm-hmm. keep you going. From from your perspective, what are some of those little things?
0: <laughs> you know, the the biggest thing for me in all of this is just the hope of what you can actually accomplish. Like what what are what are my limits? Like what are my boundaries as, you know, a player, a person? Like what can I use my platform being a professional baseball player? How can I impact my community back home? How can I impact the community in the future? And you know, how how big is that ceiling? That's the biggest driving factor to me is, you know, how how much of a difference can you make? As you're going along in in one in, you know one area of your life or the other, just simply from playing a game because you just have a different platform than than most other people do.
1: I want to go back to one other point you mentioned before about Las Vegas about walking into a room full of <laughs> computer monitors yeah. and TVs all for I'm sure sports gambling purposes in the casino. Yep. You talked about distractions in high school. Is is that is there no more prominent spot in Pro ball than Las Vegas, <laughs> Las Vegas when it comes to distractions.
0: Yeah, and you're gonna have your dis- your distractions everywhere if you let that happen. It, it, that's kind of my mentality. Like regardless of how big the distraction or how little the distraction, if you let it come in, doesn't matter where you're at. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're able to stay focused on on what you're doing, you can stay focused anywhere. And uh, yeah, Las Vegas is is a different animal. And you get out there and you just can pretty much do anything you want to do from five o'clock in the morning (laughs) until five o'clock in the morning and it doesn't matter um but no it's pretty interesting you know going from you know like I said you're going from Savannah Georgia to Port St. Lucie where there's absolutely nothing and then you go to up here to Binghamton a little bit bigger you got a little more you know freedom to do some stuff and then you just get tossed into Las Vegas like that that scale is way lopsided for sure Um, but it, it it's a it's a fun experience if you if you're if you're willing to like I say give up what you know you're gonna get in the future
1: the reason I, I've been doing these interviews and starting, congratulations, yeah. first ever guest, hopefully Thank the first you. of many. I appreciate it. But the reason I, I kind of am doing this is to shed light on the things <clears throat> that you guys experience that don't directly involve balls and strikes and how you played a ball in the outfield or what your numbers looked like or what your batting average is. It's more so the other stuff. So I'll give you the final word. If there was something or multiple things that you would want people to know about either yourself or maybe just life as a minor league ball player, what are some of those things you
0: know it's it's crazy because you know from from my mentality and my perspective I am a baseball player but a lot of a lot of the fans that we interact with and and do all these things like we do functions and stuff and a lot of people are really receptive and really open Um, and then you have some people who are the bipolar opposite who just look at you almost as like a uh, the best way... To, this sounds terrible, but the best way to describe it is that, you know, if you look at it from, you know, where we're, we're sitting in the stands right now and we're looking at the field, we're like animal, like animals at the zoo. In all honesty, literally, that's that's how it is. So we're on the other side of the cage, and they say, they do anything they want to do. They beat on the windows, all this stuff, like everything. And it literally is exactly... They take pictures, they, like, they do all this stuff, and it, it's hard because that that is how people look at you as a baseball player sometimes and it's tough and that's something that you accept but um you know and outside of that once we get on the other side of the wall it's the same the same perspective as everybody else you know just you know another person trying to make it in life that's all it is but you know a lot of a lot of people see us as you know different or you know some may think that we're spoiled selfish you know, standard athlete. You know all the nonsense, which 99% of the tr- 99% of the time isn't true. You know, I play with a lot of a lot of really good people and a lot of people that you know impact the community in a positive way. And uh, you know, that that's probably the biggest thing is just you know, human beings trying to make it through life.
1: I will follow up with one question for, for those for the kids that generally idolize you guys does that totally outweigh all the other stuff it does and it doesn't because
0: you know as much as I enjoy it and as much as I love having that impact on you know younger people it's hard too because I feel like they're not idolizing the right things which that may or may not be true for for where they are in life because you never know Mm -hmm. you never know where these kids are coming from you don't know what their family life is like you don't know if they even have a family most of the time when you meet them. You get to meet them for a split second, and if you make them smile, you did your job. And it's awesome, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I promise there's something else that, <laughs> that's better and, and you can look up to a little bit more, but, you know, if this is where you start, I guess it's not too bad.
1: You okay, got one more. You're talking about making an impact with this position. Mm-hmm. Where have you felt you've made an impact in, in your time? With the Bemets,
0: you know, just within this community, doing all of the stuff we did, we've um, had a lot of camps out here at the field. Um, you know, getting out into the community is always hard because it's hard to get everybody together at once and making that schedule work out. But we've had multiple camps here, and we had one recently um, with a lot of uh, handicapped um, kids, and they, they, you know, they had physical uh, limitations on what they could do and just being out here and get, getting to hang out with them for an hour or two and you know, making them feel limitless was outstanding. Like you, how, how much better does that get? Because they go from you know, being in an environment where you know, they see everybody with all these capabilities and all these physical like, abilities to do whatever they wanna do and they're having the hardest time just being able to bend over and pick up a baseball off the ground. And, uh, you know, regardless of, of whether it's baseball or not, it, that could be in any any form or any fashion, but, you know, just getting them out here and, and basically, or hoping that you make them feel like they had no limitations for a couple hours of their lives was, it, it was awesome because everybody was smiling, everybody had a good time. I have pictures in my locker now from from that day that, you know, you can look back on and say, this is, this is why I do what I do to impact people in a positive way and also bring my family together. You know, that's, that's one of the two things.
1: I'm out of questions now. You've answered every single one of them. Jace, awesome. I really appreciate the insight, the candor, and uh, I wish you all the best of luck. Thank you. I appreciate it. Our gratitude to jace ford for taking the time to share his story beyond the slash line is produced and hosted by me tim hyman our graphics were created by the very talented mike passanisi music for this podcast comes from ben sound if you're looking for royalty free music visit bensound.com he has a full collection to pick from Follow me on Twitter at Tim Hyman. That's H-E-I-M-A-N. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Beyond the SL. As we produce more episodes, they will be made available on my website, www.timhyman.com. Thanks for listening. This has been Beyond the Slash Line.